Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Network. Geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com. Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. I'm full of nasty gas station food. I'm Boar. And I'm John. And uh, nasty gas station food, fella. Um, do you just going to like let that hang? I mean, um, someone might not know who you are, and if they don't, they're going to know you forever as nasty gas station fella. I might be okay with that. I'm Sick gen- nasty. <laughs> he's, he's always just letting it hang. Let's let's just go with that. People more often would identify me as Nerdy Show's community manager, Trench. Also, the gas station vagrant. Yes. <laughs> so you know, you better make, watch out. Yeah, make sure after you've pumped gas that he's not sleeping in your backseat afterwards. Trench the stench. <laughs> he was known as. <laughs> Uh, in this episode, we're going to be talking about a, a really wide range of nerd uh, subjects. I usually start the show by saying we do all these things, but like we no- don't necessarily touch on all these things. This time, I think we're going to touch on each and every single facet of our uh, wide nerd world here today. Uh, and I think we should kick it off with a beautiful discovery, a ray of hope in this bleak, horrible universe. And that is the discovery of seven exoplanets in a single solar system. A beautiful thing. A beautiful, triumphant thing. Three of those suckers are in the habitable zone, and they all might actually be varying degrees of habitable. However, a little bit weird. Oh, they're super weird. I mean, they might be really weird. <laughs> now, is one they of the planets, really ha- have they confirmed that everything is on the cob? Yeah, <laughs> that was, I was waiting for somebody <laughs> to make that joke. <laughs> uh, please explain. Oh, wait, never mind. Season two, Rick cubs. and Morty. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Everything's on the cob! <laughs> or the sun that just screams. Well, you know... <laughs> wait, 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 is that bad? <laughs> I would actually say that there's a theory that none of these planets are on the cob. Whereas you could argue that all of our planets and our solar system are on the cob. There's a very good chance, they haven't figured it out definitively yet, there's a very good chance these planets, they just orbit the sun and they face the same direction the whole damn time. There's a side that's always day, there's a side that's always night. Really? They, Which they is confirmed that? Really inherently they, they have not confirmed that, but they highly suspect it. Huh. I think what We know that they're, what, 40 light years away and that's it, and there's seven of them and three of them are in the habitable zone, and is it... Six of them, and are in sure. 2018, we're going to have a telescope up that will actually be able to sniff their atmospheres, so to speak. Smell over them. Yeah. <laughs> Forty light years away. Uh, so, how long would that take us, uh, John, at our current over level of ten thousand years with our current technologies? Awesome. <laughs> yeah, that's basically next door. <laughs> well, yeah, uh, it's well over nine thousand. <laughs> it's in the constellation <laughs> of Aquarius, and those light years translate to 235 trillion miles. The whole solar system oh. is tiny. It is. It is really small. <laughs> my, my favorite part about it is the star that anchors the solar system is what's called an ultra-cool dwarf. <laughs> well, and there was actually... Um, God, I don't know why the hell I was reading this, but uh, it'll actually last like a really, really, really long time, like trillions of years as opposed to billions. The, the ultra-cool dwarves are capable of doing yeah. that? They last pretty much forever, like yeah. as close to forever as we have basically what i love about this uh, is that this it's such a freaky like not only is it is it great for colonization purposes study purposes but it's a weird unique very unique little solar system because like you you said that that star is not going to burn out anytime soon though maybe as long as it would take us to get there (laughs) um but it's what she was talking about relative forevers and as far as i'm concerned that's forever away (laughs) true true (laughs) 
But but well, this... uh, you know, ten thousand years or eleven thousand, whatever, in comparison to uh, you know several trillion years. Let, just me, let me just put it to you this way: two hundred years would be forever to me. Cut off your head and put it in a jar, and you'll live forever. That's what Futurama taught us. I might have to do that. Let's talk about this this ultra cool dwarf trench. Ask me how cool is it? How cool is it? Cap? It's so cool that liquid water could survive on the planets orbiting very close to it. It's so cool. Very close. It's so yes. cool that these planets are super duper close to the sun. I mean, like way closer than would be safe for us in this solar system. They're closer. But how than, close are they? They're closer to this host star than Mercury is to the sun. And close. No, enough, no, it's worse than that. It is so much worse. Oh now, my god! Even you don't even know. Even if the heat levels wouldn't be that bad on these planets, what about the uh, radiation coming off of that thing? Well, that's actually a real legitimate risk. The thing is tiny in comparison to our sun, and it also outputs a way, way, way less amount of uh, visible light. A lot of it's infrared. But the overall problem is, is that the closer you get to it, uh, it's sort of like a grenade, right? You want to be further away when it goes off. So if radiation shot out like a solar flare, you're going oh, to be yes. right on top of the damn Solar flares could just... <laughs> it's way more likely. Like, we're so far away from the sun that even though it'd be really, really bad, the likelihood of it happening is pretty low. Otherwise, we'd well, all pretty much be dead. Does it... Being a different type of star than what our sun is, does it still put out the same levels and same kinds of radiation that you know like our sun does kinds yeah i mean obviously it is significantly different the thing is like i said uh it's literally only eight percent the actual mass of the sun and it only outputs 0.05 percent of the light huh. but you're also right on top of it the closest planet is literally 0.011 astronomical units which you know is the distance between earth to the sun on average yeah that's uh, so, a lot yeah. And these planets are so well, close to each other that you can make out like clouds and geological features from the orbits of other planets in looking at right. the Right, and planets. to give you a really, really good idea about that, the closest one is only 4.27 times the average distance from the Earth to the Moon from it to the Sun. It's so, so weird. It's such a weird place. It's like right on it. top of it. Interesting. Yeah. It, I don't think we're going to be able to visit it anytime soon, though. That's what I'm taking away from this. Well, yeah. uh, what about the um, that that fancy new piece of propulsion they're testing out that uh, doesn't uh, defies a bunch of physics? Uh, well, that's another problem entirely. I mean, and there's also a lot of different stuff that they were working on. I mean, there's the actual crazy stuff that doesn't make any sense. Which uh, I don't, how fast could that thing technically get up to? We just have to Mass Effect Andromeda and just put everybody to sleep for six hundred years and <laughs> hope right. for the best. Yep, <laughs> and find out it's a garbage heap. I'm going to really, really enjoy them explaining why it was such a great idea to go to Andromeda in the first place. <laughs> yeah, that's a completely different conversation. But yeah, that's I, I'm waiting for that explanation, too. The Milky Way had all these Reapers. Maybe they made out better. Who knows? <laughs> when does that game drop? Game soon. 21st of March, I think. Holy shit. Is the actual release date? It's next month. My God. Well, this Which month. Which also ends my life, of course. <laughs> I don't think we're prepared. I don't think we're ready for another Mass Effect. I mean, we're ready in our hearts, but are we ready? Like, have we prepared? Are you, have you cleared your schedule? Are we going to cancel all programming on Nerdy Show? Are we ready for that? I'm not, no. I left off somewhere in Mass Effect 2 and haven't really continued since. Well, a lot of things happened. <laughs> I, I've heard Obviously. about that. There was lots of mass, and it had effects on things. Hmm. Now, this wasn't, something, <laughs> this wasn't something I plan on talking about, so I don't have notes in front of me, but I've heard that BioWare is working on a new property, like a from scratch property um presumably well, i don't know that you need notes on it since that's pretty much all anybody knows <laughs> yeah well i think there was there was a quote from one of the creators recently kind of in in regards to pushing the envelope of what role-playing games could be and i would love to quote that right now but i but i can't at the moment um but suffice to say i mean it's intriguing because you know, mass effect was their big foray into original properties and we all know how that turned out which is most of all pretty good with some problems but it, it bodes well it bodes very well um that while you know while mass effect is the the official story ended they've come up with hopefully a story just as good from another corner of the of the universe um but that there is still something more something unique out there maybe something that's not even a sci-fi who knows yeah for story really the only thing i know is that it sometime during the events of the second game 
there is a decision that we need to go to Andromeda and a bunch of people sign up and they shoot four ships out to Andromeda to go colonize for whatever reason. Hmm. A little bit of follow-up on uh, last last full cast episode of Nerdy Show that we did. Um, we, we talked about Lasagna Cat. The uh, the web video series uh, interpreting the the artwork of Jim Davis in a a visceral music video based uh, format and then then we called up their one eight hundred number and uh, gave them uh, information on how many times we'd had various varieties of sexual intercourse. Uh, you can go back to our episode My Farty Valentine to hear that. Well, the the episodes have debuted. We have a full new season of Lasagna Cat. There's some really incredible material there. We'll link to it on this episode's page, as well as a four-hour-long video uh, divulging the names and and, inf- and sexual information of everybody who called in, or almost everybody, um, because our, our nerdy show uh, group call-in unfortunately didn't match the format of, uh, of what they were creating, um, so we, we're not in there. Apparently, I am. One of... Uh, one of our, our recent patrons, Weege, uh, he watched the whole thing, and uh, it's also possible that we didn't do it fast enough. It is. There's there's a lot of factors to it, and I hopefully will be able to inform all of us about how how exactly all this went down, and maybe even why, because it's looking very likely like we're going to be speaking to Fatal Farm, the guys who created Lasagna Cat, in the near future. That would be interesting. Yeah, it should be very very interesting. <laughs> So look forward to that. The end of that video had me with a lot of questions. The uh, the end of the sex survey video. Yes. Yeah. If you uh, if you <laughs> want to go for a very special, not safe for work ride, click to the last ten minutes of that video, and uh, oh boy, some some really weird stuff that I can't even begin to explain happens. There's a whole uh, subreddit that's arisen dedicated to trying to solve the possible alternate reality game that might be embedded in Lasagna Cat now. Uh. <laughs> no one's sure yet. <laughs> <laughs> not sure if it's an ARG or not. Yeah, but damn it, they're gonna solve it. Well, because okay, let me put it this way: there's there's a video um, featuring the music of Prodigy, where Garfield and Odie, uh, in in full late '90s glory, make a Matrix-style fight video in their backyard. And in this video, they reveal some screen names for each of them, and those are in fact YouTube channels that have been active for years. Featuring these costumed Garfield and Odie's as bros just kind of hanging out, doing weird stuff like milk jug challenges and performing acoustic guitar and shit. I have watched a couple of uh, Lasagna Cat videos since uh, that episode, but I have not seen that one. Well, that's because th- those are those are buried. Those are hidden. Oh. Those are hidden YouTube accounts that have been active for years and no one's found them. Got it. Okay. No wonder I didn't find them then. <laughs> so, is there an ARG? No one's sure. <laughs> But there is stuff. Okay. So, do we have a nerdy show ARG? Is that what Buy Your Way to Cool is? It might be. Hmm. Nobody's it... solved that one yet. <laughs> yet. Yet is the key word. But some devo- if, if it exists. If it, if it exists. If it exists. If I'm, not saying, I'm, just, not, I'm saying... not saying anything exists. But you know, if it did, that'd be a good place to look. So we usually talk about what we've been up to. We jump straight into this incredible science news. But hey, what what have we been up to? John, we've been making random phone calls to you lately, but it's been a while since you've been a, a host on the show. What have you been up to? Uh, God, what even? <laughs> you've been making pearl necklaces. Whoa. Hey. <laughs> oh, I don't know if I want to hear more about this. <laughs> you, I mean, are you, do you not want to talk about the fact that you're manufacturing pearl necklaces? Well, uh, John does many things with crazy 3D design. You have very complicated feelings about oysters now. Well, that's another matter entirely. But um, yeah, I thought that I was going to be telling you about them genetics. but So let me get this straight. He's got some complicated feelings for oysters and has been manufacturing pearl necklaces. Weird. <laughs> we, we are going to talk about some, some sci-tech genetic stuff, but we, we'll talk about that later. If you want us to move on, we can move on. Let's move on. For example... What ifs? <laughs> if you want to bring it back around, that's on you, John. We got to keep nope. moving. Giggity. <laughs> I went to a local uh, burlesque show put on by Big Bang Boom Cabaret, and I am super glad I did because this was a Jim Henson-themed burlesque show 
the full expanse of things that Jim Henson or his company were involved in the production of. Did you make a rainbow connection? <laughs> I sure did, Boar. <laughs> did they bring Skeksy back? You know what? They they did not bring Skeksy back, but they 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 did uh, they did do a Gelfling act. Gelfling, um, <laughs> get the Gelfling. <laughs> It was fascinating because it really traveled the full gamut of the Jim Henson company experience. Um, ah. My favorites were Charlene from Dinosaurs. What about Farscape? Farscape did not make an appearance. Oh, God damn it, it was it was shocking. What? But here, here's my favorite, my all time favorite. The, the absolute like I've, this is like one of the best nerd less performances I've seen in my entire life. Top shelf material. A woman named Patio Chair did the Grand High Witch from The Witches. <laughs> It was in fucking credible. I don't even know what that is. Uh, the Raw Doll book, The Witches. Oh yeah, the Raw Doll book. Sure, that explains it. Uh, have you have you read the Raw Doll book? Are you familiar with it? No. F- <laughs> the, the, uh, <laughs> what? The guy who wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. <laughs> sure. He wrote this book about witches. All right. It's great. It's creepy. It has. And it has to do with the, puppets. There's an incredible late '80s film uh, starring Rowan Atkinson. In his one of his best roles ever, really, Mr. Bean, Mr. Yep. Bean, okay. in, in a serious role, um, with a okay, wait, 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 okay. So there's <laughs> the guy who wrote Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. There was a movie based on one of his other books. Uh huh. Mr. Bean was in it, but he was being serious. Uh huh. And there's Muppets. Well, what happens is, is there's a conspiracy of witches to turn children into mice, and well, yeah, I mean that just happens. Of course, of Mr. Course. Bean was in that. He's he's the guy who runs the hotel. Oh, I've seen that movie. God, he is. <laughs> it's been decades since I watched that movie. Incredible film. Holy shit. There's a lot of transformation sequences in it and uh, and puppetry and so on. So Angelica Houston plays this lead witch, the Grand High Witch. All witches are kind of grotesque. She is particularly grotesque. So she actually peels off her face and reveals this almost disgusting Cronenbergian caricature of what a Halloween witch might look like with a pointed nose and all that. So what happened in this? But bur- still flesh tone. But it's still flesh tone, yes, not green. But in this burlesque performance, this woman comes out doing some great Angelica Houston moves, looks pretty similar to her, really, and then, like, goes behind stage, comes back out wearing a Halloween rubber mask of the Grand High Witch, and does this whole burlesque show with solid moves and props. She pulls out a little vial of Formula 86, had a plant in the crowd who she forced to drink it. That woman turned into a mouse... In so far as like convulsing and putting on mouse ears, even still didn't see it coming. And she had like prosthetics on her as well, so that she had like uh, look super twisted. It was great. I've never seen anybody go all out like that. Huh? That's just you nuts. should see this movie. It's fan fucking tastic. Apparently, it's funny. It's weird, and it's uh, it's really dark. It's one of those. It's one of those films that like people who saw it, if they were just young enough to be like, yeah, I got that was one of those. Uh, it was a children's movie, but ooh, Nightmare Factory. Yeah. So did Kermit That's show the up? One. Kermit didn't show up. There was actually only one Muppet-centric strip tease. It was hosted by the Swedish chef. Statler and Waldorf were making snide comments throughout the show um, in the, the sound booth. But there was a Miss Piggy routine, but that was the only Muppet presence really there. Miss Piggy, huh? Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> but you enjoyed this. I, enjoy- I enjoyed it. There was some deep cuts, great performances, cool stuff. Okay. What you folks been up to? Definitely not watching any burlesque. I can tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> are you living a burlesque Mupp, free- Muppet or otherwise <laughs> living a burlesque free life right now basically or- I, I mean I try to uh, it's never really an art form that's enticed me I don't I don't find it sexually enticing it's a lot of fun though well when when there's Muppets involved though you gotta at least try right yeah I mean in all things maybe Muppets would make it sexier who knows Muppets in space that was a thing yeah pigs in space what are you saying what are you well, getting at? We got planets, you know, in stars that are close by relatively and Mass Effect and burlesque with Jim Henson stuff. So Muppets in space. I Okay. Okay. I see what you're saying. So you're creating a scenario in which uh, we create a Mass Effect fan film using puppets where there's a sexy burlesque show in space. Yeah. Great. I mean, people bought that uh, Garrus body pillow like gangbusters. So... <laughs> This makes sense to me. Starring the sexy cast of Nerdy Show. You guys show. know that, like, how crazy those body pillow things go, though, right? 
What do you mean how they crazy how they go? What does that mean? <laughs> There's an anime monster Mizumi. I guess this, anyway. Oh, the he, point is, is that one of the girls one. is like literally a snake woman with the whole snake <laughs> tail, and they actually have a body pillow that's the actual length of her entire body, which is like many, 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 many feet long. I, I have I have heard this. I bet only maybe one of those was ever made, and I that was probably photoshopped. It was probably just photoshopped. I doubt anybody actually made that. Man, somebody totally made that. You wouldn't want to even bother photoshopping when you could just stitch that together. But mm. <laughs> photoshopping does sound happens. quicker. It does sound a lot quicker. Hey, if you got the means of manufacturing those, I bet you could make some some decent cash. But I don't know who the fuck would, because a pillow that long—that's no joke. That's a lot of polyfill. Yeah, that's a, that's a nuisance. What that is. Well, I mean, how else are you supposed to have your fantasy about this uh, crazy snake woman? How are you going to ship the fucking thing? I'm looking well, it up on Amazon and I will tell filling. you. Well, <laughs> if you need to ship something, go straight to Tumblr. Alternatively, I suppose you it could hold it a like second. an accordion. <laughs> <laughs> hey, speaking of hints and stuff. So over the years of Nerdy Show's existence, basically since we came into existence in 2009, we've been reporting on the repeated occurrences of a Dark Crystal sequel. The Henson Company keeps talking about it. There's been all kinds of people involved with it. Gendy Tartakovsky was involved for a very long time. And uh, last we heard, it was actually happening. They were totally going to do it. It was going to be called Power of the Dark Crystal, and it was going to be about a, uh, a a young girl made of fire who, 100 years after the end of the first movie, um, has to, like, is on some kind of a quest to actually fracture the Dark Crystal. Um, well, it turns out, Unbeknownst to me, and maybe a lot of people, that movie got canned again. And as a result, uh, now we actually have a version of the script translated into comic book form in a 12-issue maxi-series from Archaea Publishing, the folks who've been doing some great work with the Jim Henson properties over the years. Power of the Dark Crystal, 12-issue comic series. It's based on an unused screenplay by David O'Dell, Annette O'Dell, and Craig Pierce. David O'Dell was the guy who wrote the original Dark Crystal script. I have a question already. Yes. What's the difference between a maxi-series and just like a, a mini-series? Um, a mini-series is typically less than six issues. Okay. If, if you hit 12, you're a maxi-series. Okay. I didn't know if it has something to do with absorbency or what. <laughs> no. I mean, well, not, in this day and age, this paper is not absorbent. It's not at all. Anything will run right off that. Okay. Uh, I mean, hey, water will still damage your comics, but uh, but just just not the same kind of absorbency as that old shitty newsprint <laughs> scotch guard uh the comics written by simon spurrier who's solid writer does a lot of great marvel books um one of my favorite indie books from the past 10 years gutsville which was never finished what is wrong with you simon why why won't you finish gutsville and uh art by the sister team kelly and nicole matthews and it's still that same plot a uh, young firling girl comes from the center of the earth and wants to fracture the dark crystal the gelflings that we know and love Jen and Kira are still alive, but uh, only barely. They've kind of been in a meditative state, uh, supported by the power of the crystal. And uh, Gelfling society has not turned out great without them being more watchful. It's gotten a little bit, uh, a little bit Catholic, looks like. It's cool though. I'm looking forward to reading it, and I'm very disappointed it's not a film. But I'll take what I can get. It makes me wonder if stuff like Willow, the sequel that's you know supposedly in the works, is going to turn out to be a comic book instead. Well, um, it's definitely reasonable, and uh, the f- Doug, Matt, and I from State of the Empire, the Star Wars Speculation Podcast, where we look for news in Alderaan places, and our special segment, Willow Watch, where we talk about signs of Willow resurfacing. We certainly haven't ruled out the possibility that it's more likely to see a Marvel comic uh, continuation of Willow than it is to see an actual film. And having talked to Bob Dolman, the guy who wrote Willow, he's certainly down to write it, if anyone would ask him. Because that just seems to, comics have kind of become that the medium now for basically anything that needs a sequel that you can't get a sequel in the original medium is Firefly, X Files, trans not Transformers because that's obvious. Transformers have been comics book before, but you know now we got Dark Crystal. True, though, in the comic books, Transformers and GI Joe interacting—that's the only place where that happens. And as um, on the Nerdy Show forums, Hoodoo Voodoo just recently pointed out. There's actually been directors who've spoken to Hasbro attempting to pitch different versions of that as an actual film, but uh, still only in comics because I'm sure it'll happen in our lifetimes because Hollywood hates new ideas. But uh, for now, Transformers and G.I. Joe, only in comics. Speaking of comics, one last one last thing for me before I'll shut the fuck up. I'm going to be at Oak City Comic Con March 18th and 19th. That's in Raleigh, North Carolina. 
I'm hosting a bunch of big panels. The ones that are confirmed so far that I'll be on is the Love is Love Queer Comics panel, and I will be hosting one of their biggest panels of the weekend, which is the History of IDW Comics. That's the folks who put out Transformers and G.I. Joe and X-Files and a number of hot properties, including some independent works like Joe Harris's Lock and Key. And so I'll be talking with all the head publisher types about uh, their past, their present, and their future. But, hey, Matt, you wanted to talk about some cartoons. Um, We can transition to that, but I can also talk about the stuff that I've been up to because oh, I didn't, yeah. get the, didn't get my turn. I'm sorry. You're not yet. You're not. Oh, shit. Okay. <laughs> We're about to be. So, still doing college. That's an ongoing project. I have succeeded in winning over your cats. That's true. Because they were very standoffish for a long time. You're very tall and uh, sometimes loud, and they don't like either of those things. The secret is just buy their affection with treats from the treat drawer. It's a good plan. And, and hey, Trench, I just want to thank you. I want to thank you very much <laughs> because, because your hard work has actually nullified them to anyone less tall than you. <laughs> so they're, they're just, they're chilling out. Nice. Deeper and harder than they've chilled out before in the presence of strangers. So thank you very much. I'm glad I have that harmonizing effect. Um, and a lot of work on Pokeballs recently. Yeah, Pokeballs of Steelix, our Pokemon RPG podcast, which has been on hiatus for literal years. It's coming back. Yep. We had to do a lot of work for... Because we're changing the system we're using. Uh, we were using... Pokemon Tabletop Adventures, which was the original system that Hex had you guys using. Uh-huh. And there's a lot of problems with that. So the more stable and balanced uh, Pokemon Tabletop United is what we're going to be using going forward and having to transition everything over to that and having to make adjustments for rules that didn't quite work for characters like Tark that were completely homebrewed was a uh, challenging and, and interesting you know thing to work with so we've got enough work to start recording but we've got to kind of juggle everybody's schedules first yeah and uh, we can't even remotely announce when these are going to come out we could we can tell you when when we start recording we can tell you we're doing that and if it's possible for us to do early releases of say unfinished episodes on patreon we'll do that too however we want to make sure that when we put this out, it's on a regular schedule, just like how D&D is on a regular schedule now, Dungeons and Doritos, uh, and Ghostbusters Resurrection on a regular schedule. So Pokeball's return will be, we want to hold to the same standards, and therefore, we're going to record a bunch and figure out how the hell we're going to get the uh, production on a regular timetable. Well, I, I've got a suggestion uh, to, to keep regular, you know, lots of prunes or Fiber. Meta, Metamucil, <laughs> uh, maybe grape nuts. Do they still make those? They might. Know. Yeah. The the soylent have fiber in it. We've got a it does. Whole thing of it in here for some reason. Oh, that's uh that's the new soylent uh, cacao. It's the cacao <laughs> the the chocolate soylent. It's really good. Don't try soylent nectar. It's garbage. You can subscribe on Amazon to get soylent now, and it's a little bit more expensive than from their website. But you support Nerdy Show, so do that. All right, moving on. <laughs> There's a thing that we we talk about from time to time, and that's the Nerdy Show Lounge. It's a place where. Nerdy Show's patrons at $10 or more can hang out with us on Facebook, all the hosts from all across the Nerdy Show network, and hijinks happen there. Being in the Nerdy Show Lounge is a lifestyle choice. now. So for $10 or more, you can make the lifestyle choice of uh, joining the Nerdy Show Lounge, where things will happen, such as a campaign to make Adam Briggs from Ghostbusters Resurrection wear Jinko jeans. Matt, what, what can you tell us about this? Well, I don't know necessarily that it's a campaign to make him wear them because I think that's going to be about as you know successful as putting pants on a cat. But uh, I, I think I can paint a little bit. I of think a yeah, I was about to one. transition this because <laughs> Boar and their coworkers were the ones who initiated oh, this. Okay, I didn't know yeah. where it came from. Yeah, see, uh, he works at the same place I do, so a lot of people there like to torment him almost as much as I do, uh, which it's a pastime, you know, just. Uh, He's a very easy target, and his reactions make it worthwhile. Yeah, if you ever want a fulfilling person to take a couple of jabs at, he's your guy. Uh, but anyway, the way that it started was uh, a friend found a an article about a man who went through sort of a, a transformation, uh, <laughs> if you will, <laughs> by wearing a pair of Jenkos for about a week. And, and the article just explores how he was able to find himself through the wearing of these large pants. I have a question. 
Okay. Do you think it's possible that people listening might not know what Jinko jeans are? I have no idea. But if you don't, uh, they were just gigantic, weird pairs of uh, of jeans in the like late nineties. Like, imagine a bell bottom, and then imagine that the the opening where your foot comes out of is like two feet wide. And that's some of them. And, some of them are a little bit more subdued. <laughs> Pants for it, you and your five. But if you ever friends. saw like, and it touches the ground. If you ever saw like big jeans that skaters wore that could fit their entire rollerblade into the leg of the pant and go all the way to the ground those, I, those I, were jinkos i never most saw, i never saw a kid wearing jinkos also wearing rollerblades oh I, really you haven't but i guess i never saw the rollerblades you did not skate in the same circles that i did this, this is all sk- uh, skateboard folks that i was seeing oh no like rollerbladers would wear them too uh, they had to be a little bit more careful though, because if you had the kind that went all the way to the ground, you could get potentially in the wheels and trip shit. on them. Yeah, but I would... saw people do it all the time. Did they lose their front teeth? Uh, I don't think I saw any. I think you had to like wear a belt if you were if you were rollerblading with uh-huh. them. You had to like hike them up just a little bit so you wouldn't die. Lordy lord. And uh, that's the anyway. Fun part, anyway, though. that that's that's what these pants are. And uh, and the article was posted to Briggs's wall, and uh, you know everybody. Uh, he, he got a little bit mad about it. He was like, oh, you know, like, oh, I'm not, uh, those are terrible pants. And for some reason, he has this vendetta against Jenkos. Like, he hates them with a passion that is unrivaled by anyone's hatred for anything. Uh, <laughs> and anyway... You um, can get him going about the same fervor on certain cars, too, but yeah. Yeah, that's true. But his friends uh, read this article, and... And we all thought, wow, we really want this for Briggs. We really want him to have this finding himself transformation. <laughs> and 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 so I joked, hey, I should set up a GoFundMe campaign so we can buy you a pair so you don't have to spend any money and you can have this wonderful transformation uh, and, and, and experience this. And, and uh, it just sort of snowballed into... And a real GoFundMe campaign <laughs> that started earning real money to buy Jenkos for Briggs, and it's a success. It's he's got the jeans. I mean, not they're not not physically yet, but I mean, like it. The, yeah, it was we. It raised enough money to get him a pair of Jenkos. Now, Nerdy Show's own John Laval uh, started. I think, I think he donated about twenty bucks. <laughs> if he, I remember, right? he started a, a tandem campaign. There's there Nintendo published this weird. Um, image of a kiosk in which people could try out the Nintendo Switch. It looks like some kind of living room in a box. Uh, and he was like, "Hey, this looks totally photoshoppable. Someone use this and make me laugh. And it, for every for every awesome piece of Photoshop, I'll donate ten dollars to the Briggs Jinko Fund." <laughs> All this is happening inside the Nerdy Show Lounge, um, and uh, there are some <laughs> some incredible pieces, uh, many involving um, Briggs. And his face shopped onto that, someone wearing Jake. That only there is only one of oh, those. Only one. But the but it's beautiful. It's, it's beautiful. glorious. That one's my favorite. My second favorite is the one that Brushfire from Friday Night Fan Fiction did, where he just took that fake living room thing and just put it in a garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> now, one of my favorites for I don't know reasons that may become apparent uh, is is a recent one that was just posted that was uh, Roy Two from Rick and Morty. Only it, the sequel was Roy Two Boar. And it had a, it had a picture of me on the on the screen. <laughs> so maybe, maybe someday that can come or become a reality where where you can live my whole life through my eyes. I don't see some not. sort of a virtual future. Take take you off the grid. Yeah, not have a social security <laughs> number. <laughs> well, that's fire taxes. That's already happened. I don't know what maniac has control of me right now. <laughs> So yeah, Nerdy Show Lounge, beautiful lifestyle choice with uh, many treasures within, including uh, there was a little instance of DIY quinoa recently that happened, and uh, just BTW, there's some good stuff happening on there. So I have, in the little bit of free time I've had, been just kind of enjoying some of the great things, or looking forward to some of the great things that are going to be happening in animated television soon. So we got a trailer for season three of Rick and Morty. Well, blah, 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 blah. Oh, Yes. You know, it was released through official channels, but wasn't necessarily like, you know, new animation or anything. And we've got uh, Samurai Jack getting a renewal. Yep, coming, coming back. Coming, coming back, back this, this month. month. And um, then Voltron got a season three. 
Adventure Time is doing some cool, crazy things. And what I should point out that Voltron's season three—that's an announcement that season three is happening. Season two is out right now. Yeah. If you haven't caught it yet on Netflix, and uh, the date for Samurai Jack is eleven thirty p.m. Saturday, March eleventh. I love some of the the trailers. Like I saw one where he's riding like a bike, and the spikes just pop out of the bike, and he's wearing like at first you don't know it's Jack because he's wearing this like really like. Some samurai armor, basically. Yeah, but biker style, and the the face mask covers it up, and then it gets broken, and he's just all old and bearded, and he's got a gun that he's shooting at the scarab robots, and he's mowing through them, like literally, like turning them into hash, robot hash. Does he smoke the hash afterwards, or <laughs> nah, like a hash brown? Oh, not like the hashish. Like no, <laughs> no. <laughs> I love the little. I was like, "Whoa, they're just bursting into marijuana." Okay. Well, I mean, it isn't. It's an all-adult swim now. They can do whatever they want. <laughs> sure. People are going to die in this on-screen deaths. I don't remember from the because it's been you know over a decade since I watched the original run of the show, but like you're actually seeing blood in the trailers from mm. him being wounded. Yep. And I don't remember that ever happening. It before. didn't. I mean, well, if it did, it was like very light. But like all bets are off now. I mean. Uh, what, when we, we did an interview with Kenny Tarkovsky last year, um, hopefully we'll do another one this year where he says that it, ba- it basically opens with Jack actually killing a human being and realizing how long it's been since that's happened. Jeez. So fun stuff. And this, this is the final season. This is going to wrap the whole thing up. It's like a, a 12 hour long movie or however long, I don't know how many episodes it is, but it's like, a, it's all, it's I one th- continuous maxi length film i thought that was the case and that because somebody posted this <laughs> and that means it's not absorbent <laughs> right this okay. thing popped up in my wall was about the importance of like you know supporting the official releases of things and it's like oh yeah you need to watch the new samurai jack you know where it's released so that cartoon network will do more of it and i'm like they're not going to do more of it this no. is it if you really want to like vote for the integrity of something, then you should just you know hop on Amazon and buy a season pass or whatever for the for the digital version of the show. If you can afford it, just buy it as it's coming out. If you if that if you really want to support it and you don't have cable, that's the thing to do. Just my two cents. And hey, if you do that, you should use Nerdy Show's Amazon links at nerdyshow.com/amazon. Anything you buy will help support the entire Nerdy Show network. This is a good opportunity actually to segue into us giving shoutouts to fans who've helped support us. In fact, one fan shopped through Amazon and wrote in to tell us a little something about what he got. His name is Cerebral Paladin. John, what did he say? Good afternoon, Nerdy Show. Bought a helmet for my youngest, had to send it back, then bought another. Not sure how that will pan out for your cut, but hope it helps. Keep up the great work. Cerebral Paladin knows that a mind is a terrible thing to waste. Thank you for shielding your child's brains. That's the future of Nerdy Show right there. Gotta protect them. Now, one way that you can support us is through Amazon. But another way, a way that involves many, many rewards for you, not just for us, is to support us on Patreon. And uh, last episode, we talked about Weege, who had some bank trouble and couldn't subscribe to Patreon. Well, he has subscribed to Patreon now. I mentioned that a little bit earlier in the episode. He's a patron now. Welcome, Weege. Officially, welcome. Let us know how those 13 labors go. (laughs) I tell you what, this Weege character... He's a real sport, and uh, the reason he's I... the one behind the uh, Briggs wearing the the Jinkos picture. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh man, what a champion! What a champion! Well, he's been all sorts of crazy active. We're gonna be celebrating a lot of Weege right now because Weege not only backed us on Patreon and gave us a hefty one-time donation a couple weeks back, but he did the other thing that you can do—the thing that anyone can do to support Nerdy Show at no financial cost, and that is rate and review our shows on iTunes. He did this in a big way. Um, we're only going to scratch the surface today. But he rated us, he reviewed us, and he left some major reviews. Bor, why don't you, uh, why don't you read a couple of his, uh, his short ones? All right. The first one uh, is on the Nerdy Show podcast, and it's titled A High View Riku. It looks like it's a haiku. I like this podcast. The Apple Store is garbage. Five more syllables. <laughs> That's that is fucking beautiful right there. And uh, another one for the Call of Cthulhu mystery program. What would you consider this show? By Weege, I consider it necessary. <laughs> And that that that's it. Now those are those are the short ones. 
Matt, why don't you why don't you read us what he wrote as his review for the Nerdy Show Network at large? I like how you gave me two sentences and I see like uh, an entire book over there in Trench's hand. <laughs> Title: You can't remember why, but you were in a park. You were five, maybe six years old. There were a dozen or so picnic tables in front of a small stage. You were seated somewhere near the back. The memory gets hazy now, but you recall a magic show. At some point, a piece of paper was lit on fire and placed into a pot. The magician lifted the lid and hurled it towards the audience. You gasped audibly. But instead of flaming paper, what rained down upon the assembled crowd were assorted varieties of Hershey's kisses. To your dismay, none of the treats made it beyond the first four rows. Seeing your expression, the magician summoned you to the stage. You found yourself unable to resist his call. Some basic sleight of hand ensued. Even at a young age, you were not overly impressed. Though, you had to admit, his showmanship was impeccable. Pick a card, he beckoned. Any card. I'll play along, you thought to yourself, for now. You don't remember drawing the card, but you studied it intently, memorizing even the tiniest imperfections. You returned it to the deck as ordered. Is this your card? He shouted, presenting the King of Diamonds. No, was your reply. He leaned forward and rasped into your ear at a volume barely above a whisper. Are you not impressed, child? Well, one day you will be. A small explosion, a puff of smoke, and the man was gone. Your card was the three if clubs. Also, listen to Nerdy Show. Okay, first of all, any typos in there were actually my fault because I had to dictate the thing to Siri because I can't copy pasta from iTunes. So, uh, just that. And, and we... I'm sorry, Friday Night Fan Fiction has, you know, it's been a while since the last time I was on, but, you know... It's trained you to not autocorrect. You, you read it as it's written. You don't make corrections. Otherwise, Val will yell at you. <laughs> well, Weege, thank you. And this is, a, this is a great example of how you can, for no money whatsoever, have a say whatever you want, so long as it's in an iTunes review. And also... You can't cuss in there, I think what I've learned is that if you ever have, like, if you're ever in a play and you need to run lines with somebody, don't do it with Trench because he's going to read every single stage direction. <laughs> Just to be an asshole, yeah. <laughs> Enter stage left! <laughs> now, because he's using his Patreon powers to turn this into Ouija show, hmm. we have a, a monthly shout-out for Ouija. If you're giving it $10 or more on Patreon, you get a shout-out. So he said, would you consider a quick Galdap rant for a shout out? That's my new favorite thing in the world. I don't even care what it's about. The answer is yes. Oh, Trench, you brought me some Flamas Doritos. Why, thank you. I surely appreciate this. They were for me, but, you know, situationally appropriate and just convenience. Well, now that you summoned your own pal Galdap, let me tell you a thing or two. Trench 88. The 88 is silent. Galdap. You're despicable. Let me tell you what I found on the internet. Have you ever heard of going nullo? That's body modification slang for making yourself smooth around the bend. You know, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about no pee pee, no wang janglers, nothing. Nullo. Look it up, or don't. You probably don't want to. Don't ever do that. Tainted old Galdap's mine, and there's plenty of taint in there. When you have abused so many different varieties of volatile magics, all your bits turn floppy and flaccid forever. Okay, bye! Thanks for that, Weege. Really appreciate it. So, so Galdap's into going full Kendall, basically. Well, it was really hard to decipher what exactly his agenda was there. He okay. was kind of like ranting. He was mostly talking about it. I think he might have been threatening Trench with it. I'm not sure. I've threatened Trench with similar, so it's understandable. It's a terrible thing. Terrible, terrible. Hey, John. Yes. Old John Oh, West. wow, we didn't lose him. No, he's still here. Just lurking like a spider. John, why don't you tell us your deep-seated thoughts on genetic modification ethics. Not body modification ethics, but genetic modification ethics. What's the difference? Well, I suppose the difference the difference is there's what Galdap was talking about just there, which is something that you are legally allowed to do, but probably a doctor isn't legally allowed to do for you. 
I suppose. Yeah, it- I imagine that would probably violate many things. Yeah. Many, many things. Yeah. Anyway, you want to talk about the uh, genetic modification ethics relating to disease prevention. What do you mean by that? Well, oh, like, is that is that like you know cutting off your genitalia because like you can't get an STD if you can't have sex? <laughs> yes, the the very same. No, it's just you know they they have these genetic boards and recently they've been all like, okay, well maybe it's you know ethically okay to alter the germline to remove genetic diseases, but then they add like a long long list of requirements, like millions and millions of times over what would probably be necessary for oversight, make sure that, uh, you know, you can only replace the genes with other genes that are already human and normal. Okay, so, so as in you wouldn't replace them with Jinko genes. Yeah, you wouldn't replace them with Jinko genes or, you know, uh, jellyfish or any other. I that prefer bootcut genes. <laughs> my, my important point was that Jinko genes are not human or normal. <laughs> <laughs> no, we, John, but, uh, you, said, you said germline. Is that a term? Yeah, it is. It basically refers to, in other words, you can genetically edit somebody and just change them. But if you edit their actual sperm or ovum, then you're editing their children and their children's children, etc. And then you basically have it in the gene pool. Right. But on the other hand, if you think about how fast, you know, technology is progressing and how slowly, I mean, in comparison to that anyway, humans spawn... Like, under an absolutely absurd worst-case scenario, in 50 years, you'd only have, what, like, four generations, five tops, if you had, like, crazy people getting pregnant at, like, 12? Okay, so various organizations do not allow that. The governments do not allow that. Governments don't do funding. Governments prohibit research into all these things. It's basically not even allowed. In the meantime, you know, you have people suffering from sickle cell uh, risks for Alzheimer's etc that aren't necessarily going to be addressed but what i find particularly interesting about all this is is that with the kind of research that they want to do i wonder if it would even matter by the time they had finished you see what i'm kind of getting at there like if it literally takes lifetimes practically or multiple generations you'd have to have like 50 years of data before you felt confident to actually deploying it to the mass you know oh, you're, what I mean? You're saying you're saying that that these genetic modifications would be obsolete based on different technologies by the time that they've been tested. Is that what you're saying? To an extent, it's a really really bizarre kind of a thing. I mean, you know, because in the meantime, you had 50 years of progress. That means 50 years of everybody's just genotype now. There's all these new understandings and new, perhaps actual designer genes, even um, like Jinkos. another com- yeah that aren't Jinkos, uh, maybe even. <laughs> Maybe we'll go into start wearing them tracksuits. Who knows? <laughs> acid the wash. Future. Give me them acid wash jeans. <laughs> Three legs. But jeans. Uh, you know, the other question is, of course, like, well, what's an enhancement or not, right? Okay. Uh, if you fixed Alzheimer's, would you accidentally also make those people smarter? Isn't that then an enhancement? Because you know, you can't enhance the human race. You can only just correct it. Which, ironically, if you didn't have any genetic maladies, isn't that the same thing as being enhanced in comparison to somebody that does? How much of government policy is influenced by episodes of The Outer Limits relating to genetic modification, do you think? I mean, how much of this is real or just like those stories we've reported on in the past of, of people being like, this pig embryo, we could be creating a Dr. Moreau situation here, which just sounds like... Oh my like, God, can you imagine if they watched the thing horrible like uh, what the Splice? What's Splice? I don't even know how to actually summarize it rapidly, but I will try. Two people wind up deliberately and also partially accidentally creating some sort of weird human-animal hybrid monster that ultimately turns into a beautiful, albeit incredibly alien, weird freak monster that the guy then winds up seducing because he's estranged from his wife and winds up fucking it, and then it winds up going crazy and grows wings and basically kills him and ultimately rapes his wife, impregnating her, and then she goes on to use that as an experiment later. When was this movie made? Uh, I don't know, within the last 10 years, maybe the last five. You guys have heard of this? I have actually seen at least part of it. (laughs) Was it any good? I don't remember finishing it, so (laughs) does that answer your question? I guess. The ending is where all the shit just goes straight off the rails. (laughs) This just sounds like human centipede times a thousand. Yeah, I mean, also in in it, some it ways, slightly not quite as ridiculously gorish. It's, it doesn't uh, sound like anyone's eating poop in this story. 
Yeah, it's a little bit more like naive idiocy as opposed to deliberate madness. But it, the whole point here is, is about the politics. Well, and you have to ask, I mean, even the scientists are basically like, we can't enhance humans. The rich people will use it. I mean, that you is know, true. Is, but, you know, the rich people already use everything. Like, I don't think you understand where you are, slave. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, you know, and of course, they're just going to go somewhere where they can. Or, you know, they won't care and they'll use you as a guinea pig. So, uh, you know, which way do you want it, really, right? So what you're saying but, uh, is you need you, we, yeah. we need to stimulate the black market genetic engineer operations. Is that what you're saying? You've already got freaking CEOs going down to South America to get, you know, like crazy ass treatments. There's that crazy lady with the telomere extensions. What are those? I mean, telomeres it? are uh, parts of the your, caps on the end of the uh, chromosomes, basically. Right. Yeah. And the shorter that they become later on, like as you age, you get less and less mm. of them. And the theory is that if you extend them, they've found way like various drugs and stuff that like regrow them a little bit. Uh, Telomerase. So it's a life yeah. extension drug. Maybe. It, yeah. It that, might that winds help. up being it, kind of the question though, right? It, it, <laughs> is the, it? Yeah. The thing is, is that with life extension drugs is that there's multiple problems that you have to overcome to extend life. And a lot of these things, like specifically this one are only targeting like one of those things. Well, and the better question is, is are you actually having aging as a result of it? Or is that like a problem if you were living to the age of like 130 and then you would care about telomere extension? But for right now, you're more like, man, it would be totally good to have my cholesterol under wraps, you know, or something like that. Right. So as I said before, you have all this weird politics. Oh, the rich people do it. When you're talking about age uh, stuff, everybody's immediately like, oh, no, we'll have a population explosion. It's like. Would we, though? Wouldn't we then deal with that? Isn't that better than dealing with the incredible amount of knowledge loss from people dying? <laughs> if you're a doctor, isn't this what you should technically be working towards? Well, I mean, it's difficult anytime that humanity um, takes in its hands the opportunity to evolve beyond the biological paradigm and become gods in and of themselves. That's when we see a significant push and pull. The inevitable is humanity rising above the natural order, hypothetically, you know, because we've had an, an exceptional and very abstract evolution from the rest of the creatures on our planet. We could probably spin this off into a whole separate episode of Nerdy Show's Ideal New World Order. <laughs> Here's Nerdy Show's Utopia. <laughs> well, no, it will be we, a dystopia if I have anything to say about it. No. I'm going to put my brain in a robot body and just enforce the social order. <laughs> yes, well, beat them. Keep them down. The beatings will continue until morale improves. <laughs> You're no fun. <laughs> I am the enemy of fun. Oh, that's right. I forgot. <laughs> it's ah. okay. I've watched enough Doctor Who to know how to take down Cybermen. It's fine. Well, if you first you say ASL, <laughs> and then you say DS question mark, like dick size? Dick size? I don't know if that's really a thing. <laughs> no, 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 no. Has anyone ever asked that? I'm sure they have, but okay. But have they abbreviated it? That's the question. Yeah. I don't know if that's a common enough one to appreciate. <laughs> I don't know either. But hey, if you know, write in and tell us. <laughs> Just like DTF does not mean dick to floor, even though Silicon <laughs> Valley episodes may have led you to believe that. <laughs> okay, so it's about 2001 and uh, tensions are high. You know, the World Trade Center disaster happened. There's trouble. There's trouble in the air. Kids are wearing black t-shirts, being trouble in public schools. There's Everybody, still there's still some jinkos out there. Every, there's there's plenty of jinkos out there. Everyone's afraid of white kids because of Columbine. It's it's a mess. It's a real mess. A friend of mine is wearing a T-shirt. It says WTF on it in a pixel font. <laughs> he's a big guy. The principal comes up to him. He's like, oh, "Hey, um, what does that mean?" He's like, "Oh, uh, where's the food?" <laughs> he's like, "I love food." <laughs> she fucking bought it. <laughs> Uh, teachers would buy anything back then because they didn't have Google at their fingertips. <laughs> it's true. And on that fun story, unless we have any concluding statements, I think we're going to adjourn this. I'm good. We're good. Oh, uh, watch watch the stream team on Twitch. When should they do that? They need times and dates. <clears throat> Thursdays and Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Hey, and while we're plugging random stuff, how about go to the uh, the Nerdy Show subreddit? 
Reddit.com slash r slash nerdy show. Give it a subscribe and get all of your nerdy show updates right in your Reddit feed. Go to the Nerdy Show store. We got stickers and t-shirts and comic books and role-playing supplies. And support us on Patreon. And support us on Patreon. And if you're in Los Angeles, there's a really cool show that I want to go to that I can't because I don't live there. That is Alien. The original Ridley Scott Alien is being rescored live by the band Yacht. The front person, Claire Evans, she's been on the show before. An amazing nerdy lady. And uh, she's also a musician, and she's rescoring Alien, and it should be fucking awesome. I don't know when, but I'll link to it on this episode's page. Taking us out, let's play a track from Megaran, because old Megaran, well, he's on tour right now. From this moment on until May, where he's going to be all across the East Coast, a little bit out West, and he has a couple dates in the United Kingdom as well. So, here we're closing with Cry of the Planet from Black Materia, but this is the Japan mix the one that uh, the proceeds of which benefits the uh, the earthquake and tsunami relief for Japan. I don't know if it still does, but it certainly might. And it definitely did. It definitely did. We're hearing a lot about the Ring of Fire. What is the Ring of Fire, and uh, what does it mean now going forward? Incredibly active zone, Piers. It's this horseshoe-shaped area just go kind of up and around the entire Pacific Ocean. Start in New Zealand, run up toward the Philippines, run up in Japan. Connected even scientists can't understand it. We all at a disadvantage, impossible to manage. So-called experts is calling it a hoax. Now it's time for the networks to take a new approach. Greenhouse gases, natural disasters, unexplained phenomena. Time to wake up out of the mind state that we can't change things. The world is changing. How many times we gotta see the same thing? Hurricanes, earthquake, volcanic eruptions. We need more action and much less discussion and less corruption before we all go on us. Somebody inform us what the earth is trying to warn us, but we worry about the trivial. Superstars interviews, millionaires drama, people what's got into you? Temperatures rising like the CO2 two levels and settle sooner or later we'll see the true devils but for now listen you can hear the cries of the planet
Japan. 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 Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 